No Block No Rock, Season 2, Episode 11, coming at you on this Monday, November 1st. Just got done with some uh, trick-or-treating, some uh, other spooky activities like watching Nebraska football play. Yeah, that is a scary sight. <laughs> so, I mean, in the in the theme, Kyle thought of a good idea. Let's start the episode off with a little bit of fun. In the theme of Halloween, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Jared, we'll start with you. Gosh, man. Um, you guys talked about it. I didn't think about it. Uh, I think anything with Reese. I love some Reese's, man. Give me some Reese's peanut butter cups. Underrated. I love me some Baby Ruth. You know what I'm saying? Very yeah. underrated. Very underrated. I, lo- I love a little ba- Baby Ruth. Another one that you guys probably won't say? 100 grand. Yeah. I can't. I love 100 grand. I couldn't tell you the ingredients of 100 grand if you put a gun to my head right now. Because <laughs> there's 100,000 ingredients. Crispity, <laughs> crispity, crunchity, and caramel. <laughs> Eric, Eric, what, what are your top three candies, man? Good choices, Jared. Uh, yes, sir. Well, Reese's is up there, but someone who can't have chocolate or, or dairy anymore uh, would be candy corn. And so it's obviously the, the don't, top one. Don't come after like, him. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Candy corn is great. I will I will unashamedly say it. I don't care. Candy will, corn is awful. I will die on the candy corn hill. <laughs> it's awful. I'm with Eric. I love it. It's terrible. Corn. And the little mellow cream pumpkin. So are you rating that your number one? Well, that's in the top three. Oh, His choices oh, are limited. Gosh. Yeah. His choices yeah. are limited. Are you going to say peeps are next too? <laughs> and I also enjoy peeps. Except I don't, I don't eat them a lot anymore, except I like them when they're around. <laughs> Jesus. Eric is a complete garbage disposal, though. You, you guys who are listening, Eric will literally eat anything. Not anymore. Not but. anymore, he cannot. But <laughs> I've seen this dude scarf down literally everything. Uh, Kyle, what are you scarfing? No, so. Oh. No, it's probably. Uh, it's racist candy corn and probably uh, like Butterfingers. Probably. Okay. Okay. Hey, Butterfingers. All right. Yeah. Well, I didn't see Butterfingers yeah. coming out of left field. Uh, I saw it on the football field. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so my top three. Number one would be Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Number two would be Snickers. And number three, I'm a golfer. Me and Mike golf every once in a while. Uh, I would have to say like salted nut roll has always been a go- go-to okay. for me, man. Okay. Yes. That's, that is one I didn't even think of. But my top three would be Twix, Snickers. Oh. And you know what? Because you brought up Baby Ruth, I love me some Baby Ruth. Pretty okay. much anything with caramel in it, I'm, yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also like anti-chocolate. I really don't eat any of that stuff. But if I had to splurge and have a candy of some sort, okay. tis the season, I, I, that's, those are the three I would have. Well, and that's the, that's the attitude I take with candy corn. Tis the season. This is the only time it comes out. You if, know, I'll put a, I'll, small doses, but yeah. I'll put up with it. If it's in a bowl yeah. at a like, table I'm sitting at, like, I'll, yeah, I'll chow down on some candy corn, but I'm not buying it at the store. What's I'll your guys' opinion on black licorice? Bruh, get out of here if you eat black nah. licorice. Go ahead. Raise your hand right now, and I'm leaving if one of you I raises bet, your I hand. bet Eric raises his hand. No. You're full of shit. That's the one thing he doesn't like. Uh, It's not my favorite, except I'm, like, not as anti-black licorice as some people. Well, like, I won't, like, go <laughs> buy it at a store. No. Okay, so it's Trash like can- candy corn esque. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so there was a game played on Saturday. There was. Yeah. There was a game played on Saturday. By who? I think Ohio State played somebody, right? <laughs> well, I think okay. Wisconsin, Wisconsin played pretty well. They beat yeah. Iowa. Yeah. Handily. Was, yeah. Yeah. Wait, what are you what are you talking about? Oh, whoops. Did they wear Kansas State ended Larry Patterson's career, but you know. That's too bad. Speaking of ending no, okay, sorry, 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 sorry. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that yet. Nebraska, 23. Purdue, 28. 
another quote one score loss another game where you look at it and you say gosh if if there was another staff on the sideline it might have gone differently but do, do we start with things that we liked do we like anything about this game was there anything that you saw that was like i like that um Is okay i could i could start with something that i liked okay it was brief and i liked it for the brief time it happened sure the opening drive by nebraska we had three receivers out there omar manning mm-hmm. xavier betts Ding. and samori tori mm-hmm. your three best receivers were on the field for the first time this year at the same exact time so did i like that how did how did that drive result we scored didn't it? i think yeah yeah, show sure enough. Yeah, I mean, nice little tutty. Yeah, to by Omar. Omar. By Omar. Yeah, it was great. I mean, and then after that, they were gone. I, Xavier Betts, nothing. Nothing. Torre, I mean, that that could be a negative that we bring up. But yeah, we'll bring those up later. Uh, positives. Is there any other yeah. positives that you guys like from this game? When start go, Eric. Oh, we didn't miss a kick. Hey, <laughs> good good positive. I like that too. Chase Contreras from my alma mater and Eric's alma mater. Iowa Western Community College. Yeah. yeah, Chase Contreras did the job. New no kick, problems. New kicker, I guess, new, this week. New kicker, no problems. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I liked whenever they ran the ball, I liked it. I liked seeing Yant go for six carries for 60 yards, 10-yard average. I liked that. And then we didn't see him again. And then he didn't. Uh, poof. Uh, Ramir ran hard. He looked – I mean, he – he looked like your number one again. You know, I think having that bye week, that week off, must have done him some wonders. But again, just not enough. Not enough of it. All right? I want more running game. I want more Ramirez and Yen, especially when it is working. And they're not trying to be cute with like a, quote, trick play that still got blown up even though Purdue wasn't even ready. And it's just like your running game was working. Anyway. They went away from that. Yep. Um, anything else that we liked? We had an 11-yard uh, punt return. That was longest, pretty cool. Longest of the year, right? Yeah. Longest. Okay. Wow. Um, I could find one more thing that I liked on defense, which is really hard because they did not play well. But one thing I did like was I think Cam Taylor Britt, uh, he played pretty well against a future first-round pick in David Bell. I, I think they both had their owns. Yep. I think David Bell got his numbers and Cam got his numbers and – I think Cam Taylor Britt really cemented himself as a true NFL prospect. Yeah, you you saw. Um, we can get to well, let's get to the negatives, okay? The defense it was death by a thousand paper cuts the whole game. A hundred percent. That's a great way to put it. Their longest play of the game, Purdue's longest play of the game, was twenty-one yards. Woo! And they still won. So that just tells me, dink dunk, David Bell for six, David Bell for. Four even eight, mixing some anthrop for you know chunky yards here and there, and it's just very efficient. Nothing fancy, nothing cute, really. Just hey, David Bell, run a five yard little curl and sit, and you'll be open, and it'll be a first down. Be- yeah, because be every fine. time they would run to the marker, which is what we we talked about when Nebraska was effective this year. It's when receivers just, they know where the first down marker is and they sit on it and they catch the ball and it's first down. Purdue did that to us 30 fucking times, yeah. like at least. <laughs> yeah. It was just so tough to watch. Just the efficiency at its finest. Aiden O'Connell went 
34 for 45, 233 yards. So again, you would expect a guy who completed 34 passes to rack up yards, but no, I mean, just efficient, no mistakes. Sometimes you'd wish Nebraska would kind of go for that. I don't know. I don't know, but they were very efficient. Eric, you're you're chomping at the bit. You talked about Aiden O'Connell and his zero mistakes. I saw a stat after the game on Saturday. Under Jeff Brom, Purdue has four conference games without a turnover, and three of them are against Nebraska. Yeah, I, I heard that too. That's pretty sweet. That's how you win games is when you don't force turnovers. And Nebraska really wasn't in a good situation to force turnovers because he got the ball out of his hands so quickly, yep. and we just never – made adjustments like when are you going to hit the guy at the line of scrimmage like they just kept running soft zone and purdue picked them apart the entire game that was going to be my biggest observation as far as like the negatives go is looking at that defense just looking at the defensive scheme the defensive plan going into that game i understand that we were not concerned about their running game but this is what it looks like when you aren't concerned enough the, my biggest my biggest takeaway was that we focused so much on like, okay, well, they're not going to try to run. They're going to try to pass on us a bunch, right? So we run that soft zone. And over and over again, Mike and Jared, like you said, a death by a thousand paper cuts. If all you can get is four yards, just go ahead and turn around, catch the ball. You know our guys have given you 10 yards worth of a cushion. So, yeah, just keep hitting the little guys. And had you made it a one-dimensional game, where they couldn't run and pass those those little those little passes there, dude. We win the game if they don't rush for as much as they did. Our strength all year long has been stopping the run. So why did we move away from our strength? Had you been focusing on the run, you would have got more QB pressures. You wouldn't have had them running all over the field on us. You would have forced that quarterback to throw, 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 throw. And instead, it was a much more balanced offense, which is why mm -hmm. we lost the game. The whole Purdue game plan was just take what they give you. Don't try to do anything fancy. Don't try to be the hero. Take what they give you. And, you know, there was some point, some points there where I felt sorry for the defense. If you look at the play number discrepancy, it was 86 to 58. Over the course of a game, that's going to that grind, that'll grind you down and it'll, to a nub. Well, and that's what happened, man. And, they were worn out at the end. And piggybacking on what you're saying there, too, and being in the stands and seeing the guys coming off and on the field, I mean, you were seeing our defense alignment just huffing and puffing, and they were worn out. Mm -hmm. And this is the first game where I honestly can say I think the defense finally looked, like, disinterested. Usually it's the defense holding up the end of the bargain and the offense just doesn't show up. This is the first time they were in sync in the wrong way. Like, the defense just... They didn't look interested at all. I think Cam Taylor-Brett was probably the only one that looked like he had something to prove. But other than that, like the defensive line, no push at all. The the corner, I, I, I've been raving about Quentin Newsom all year, and he just got absolutely manhandled on those short little routes that they were running. Yeah. I mean, just the linebacker play was bad. There was just, the defense just did not look like they wanted to be there, and which is really disappointing because you're coming off a bye week, you know, mm -hmm. you came off a loss to Minnesota where, gosh, if you lose to PJ Fleck again, and then it's like, okay, let's go, let's go play Jeff Brom. And then you do it again. You lay another freaking egg in front of your home fans who showed up for you again, 85 again. plus thousand fans. Name another program that would be three and five before going to this game. 
three and five, and then your fans fill the stadium, eighty-five thousand. Go look at the homecoming game for USC. Go go look it up on the internet, guys. Go there was nobody, maybe ten thousand fans. Go look at ten and zero Iowa a couple years ago. Their stadium wasn't even filled. It's just like, yeah, it's frustrating as hell. And to go to go back to that, the defense, you know, I'm not looking interested. Yet here we are again with seven minutes, eight minutes left in the game, and your defense is keeping you in the game. And then you have a turnover, and then you have another turnover, and it's just like they're Ooh. giving you every opportunity. You've got every tool. You've got every tool, just like Ohio State does, just like Michigan does, just like Purdue does, and you still go out there and you throw fucking four interceptions. You don't. You cannot score within eight minutes. It's just like rant over. Like I well, let's just, get into that. It's just it's just beginning, brother. Because every like you said, every time it looks like okay, this is where the tide turns. This is where after all this talk about getting a freaking break. You screw it up. You just screw it up. And yeah, Adrian threw four interceptions. Horrendous. Probably, you know, considering the circumstances, it being his fourth, his fourth year as a starter, I think this was his worst start as a Husker quarterback. I agree. Just considering what was on the line and who your opponent is and how long you've been the starter. Um, his worst start. Three of, three of the interceptions were him. The fourth was a little fluky, but that's Nebraska, though, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. That's Nebraska. Ball pops out, and it's just, after that play happens, you're not even mad. You go, yeah, duh, yeah. No, sh- no shit. Yep. I was waiting for this to happen, you know? I, I, I was watching it with my dad at, at the bar, and... It was. I must have looked over at him like five times, and I just kept reiterating, like, the defense is going to give us hope. The offense is going to let us down. The defense is going to give us hope. The offense is going to let us down. And sure enough, it just happened over and over and Ooh. over and over again until finally you realized, we're going to need a fucking onside kick. And then what happens? We almost get it, but we don't by an inch because Nebraska. Well, yeah. it's fitting that Cam Taylor Britt has been muffing punts all year and then muffs the onside kick. <laughs> Like, I feel bad. Like, he played a really uh, good game, and you can't put it on him, but why is he on your hands team? Please explain that to me. Name another hands team that has a guy who has been muffing and muffing punts. I didn't even think of that. I honestly didn't, but he's been muffing punts, and the ball just... <laughs> and he's the, he's, the, he's, the, he's the front man. He's the guy that's supposed to make contact with the ball. Did you, I mean, you saw that, right? I mean, he yes. did make contact. You saw the ball. It just went right over him. <laughs> like I understand, like footballs are weird. They're weird shaped things. They, they're they make, oblong. They make weird bounces yeah. in the heat of the moment. But come on, it was, it was like weird. let me put it this way: if Oliver Martin was there, the most <laughs> sure-handed guy on the team, if he's in that same situation, mm. I think nine out of ten times, probably ten out of ten times, he catches the ball. You and know what? We get it. I'm sorry. I'm going back to positives. Connor Culp, Perfect onside kick. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, beautiful. Good. For what him. more? Do, what more do you want? That was literally picture perfect. Literally, that's exactly what you want. It was great. And and then you know what I thought? I was like, when I'm sitting there watching the end of that game, and at that point I had already left the stadium because I was just sick after that fourth interception. I I had to I had to finally leave. This lady that sat that sits in every game. She's been at every game since the 70s. She even left the game early. So I at the point. I understand it's like, okay, you got to stay there till the end, but it, it's easier said than done. I don't leave games early often 
this is actually the second time ever in my life I've left a game early. But I'm watching that game under the bridge on the way back to my truck. We stopped under there where they have that blur party lounge thing, yeah. and they had the, the TV or the game on. And I'm like, you know what's going to happen? Is Nebraska's going to get this onside kick? They're going to get our hopes up, and then Adrian's going to throw an interception or something, and we're going to lose by one possession. And we didn't get the onside kick, but anybody who says this is a one-possession loss, yes, the scoreboard says that, but that's not the case. Nah. This is the same as Illinois, the same as Minnesota, and once again, Purdue. It, it's yeah. You were down two scores. You got some garbage-time touchdown where it's like you move the ball so efficiently in those those end of the game drives where you get the garbage time score. It's like, why couldn't you do this the entire second half? Now, this, I, I don't like bringing up like other media people, but Sam McEwen brought, he asked this question Is this what we want Nebraska football to look like? In other words, like, like you said, one of their successful drives, they're aerating it down the field and they looked like a Sunbelt Conference USA. AAC team, and it's just, of course, they lost. Duh. And he asks, is this what you want Nebraska football to look like? With this desperation drive at the end. Against Purdue. Against Purdue of all teams. Uh, half the stadium's gone, and it's, that question is so hard to answer, right? Is this what we want it to look like? So that question's so wide-ranging. It's, do you want this team to be a um, depending on the quarterback who can't be relied on, either because he's a head case or he's got a, an injury, do we want to depend on a quarterback for our offense in the Big Ten? Most most Big Ten offenses aren't like that. Nope. Okay? They are pro-style where they, f- they have a strong running game. Play is, actions. Is this what we want Nebraska to look like, depending on a quarterback where if – the littlest mistake. Everything could go wrong. Because guess what? You have no other options, supposedly. Your backup's not ready. Either he's not ready because you didn't prepare him, or he sucks. And whose fault's that? In both cases, the head coach's fault. Yep. Is this what we want Nebraska football to be? I don't know. Me, personally, I've, I've been saying it. I don't like this style of offense. Of course, I wanted Scott Frost. At the time, it's a great story, Right. Fairy tale. The story writes itself. But then you, you see the results and it's, okay, we tried it. This offense is flash in the pan. The only time it works is at the end of a game where you desperately need a touchdown because the defense doesn't care if you score one, really. Yeah, they're just playing soft. And playing soft. Just letting you have big chunk plays and eventually yeah. get you get yourself into the end zone. But through four quarters of play, it just hasn't proven to work, in the, especially in the Big Ten. No, and I think what you're looking at is you're looking at Kansas City and you're looking at Nebraska in the same predicament, okay? When Scott Frost first got here, he said, we, we want the Big Ten to make adjustments for us, right? And, you know, maybe his first couple of years, maybe he didn't have the tools that he needed to make his offense work like that. Adrian didn't have enough weapons. Okay, exactly, right? right? You know, so... Now you're in year four. You have all the weapons that you need. You've got the big guys that can block on the perimeter for your screen game. You've got the running back. You've got the uh, running back room that's bigger than anybody else's who you say they're all good enough to start. They're all good enough to play. You've got a quarterback that has shown that he can run. And yet 
all these Big Ten defenses are are shutting you down to a point where you're essentially ineffective. Illinois did it. Purdue did it. I mean, it, literally everybody that we've lost to to this point has made our offense look like child's play. And this is okay again for the that horse is is laying there and it's dead and we are standing over it like office space when they're beating the shit out of a printer, right? Because it didn't work. We're beating this horse. Scott Frost is supposed to be the offensive mind, the offensive genius, offensive wizard, the offensive whiz kid, and it's the weakness of the team yeah. in year four with a four-year starting quarterback with weapons. I hear that Xavier Betts is 100% this week. And I said on Twitter to whoever it was that tweeted that, I go, okay, so if he gets less than five touches, you're telling me that you're an imp- incompetent play caller, incompetent coach, and it's grounds for firing because he's 100%. He gets one catch for 30 yards, nothing else after. You, this is your weapon that you needed, Adrian. Adrian needed a weapon. So here's your weapon. Yeah. Dingus, yeah. he's right there. So my one question in regards to like the whole Scott Frost conversation and this whole coaching staff deal, how many times did Twitter, how many times did we as fans need to ask, hey, why wasn't Stanley Morgan in on third and six? Hey, how come J.D. Spielman wasn't on the field when it counted the most? Never. We never had to say it because Mike Riley understood that those were his best players. The most basic elementary okay. best players. And you've got Austin Allen, who's not out there for third and six, but he's out there on the punt coverage. <sighs> Are you what? Are you shitting me? Well, and Austin Allen, to piggyback on what you're saying, Austin Allen has literally been Adrian's safety blanket across the middle the entire year. You could argue that Austin Allen might be the best tight end in the Big Ten. And the fact that he wasn't out there in... The end of the game, like most of the second half, you just really didn't see him out there. You saw a lot of Vokalek, which is fine. Like Vokalek's a talented guy, but he's not Austin Allen. The offense runs smoother when Austin Allen's on the field. So I don't know if he had some sort of injury, but I wouldn't believe if he did because if he was out on punt coverage, I think that's the last place I would have him. I'd rather rather have him on offense right. than on punt coverage because that's where most injuries happens on special teams. That's when you're most vulnerable, anyways, on punt coverage. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Bo Pelini or Mike Riley, literally anybody that had a Yant in their lineup? <laughs> we had a Monty Cross at one point, but he was no, he was nowhere near I mean, dude, as fast as Yant. You see Yant going off the edge. It's like he look. I mean, I'm not saying he's as fast as Ramirez, but Jesus, he looks a lot faster than I thought he would ever. He be. was outrunning folks on the edge. Yeah, that's all you want. He's blitzing. He's bulldozing people in the middle, and then he's outrunning. The edge rushers. Like, what What else do you want? And then they go away from it and start doing this Mickey Mouse shit. Dude, this freaking backyard, whatever the F, dude. It's just so, again, me beating a horse. Disorganized, junior, peewee, launch it, see what happens. No, no flow, no logic to whatever they're doing. Yep. And this is supposed to be his strength. Yeah. This is why he got hired. Yeah. Well, that's a big red flag. When your head coach is offensive-minded, and he's been under all the tutelage, Tom Osborne, Bill Walsh, Mike Tomlin, yeah. you freaking name it. He's he's played for or Chip coached Kelly, under. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, right? So he's played over all these guys, all these great coaches. And when your head coach is offensive-minded and your offense struggles the way it has in year four with a four-year starting quarterback that you handpicked, and you have all the weapons, and he 
kind of took a shot at his offensive line in the press conference after the game, saying, oh, you know, they need to play better. Adrian had plenty of time. Sure. Oh, had oh, yeah. plenty of yeah. time he all had night. Plenty of time all game. I mean, don't get me wrong; they didn't they didn't run block well, but they never do. So don't expect <laughs> that. But as far as pass pro was, we shut down a future first round pick. He didn't he didn't cause any problems for the most part. Adrian had all damn day to throw, yeah. and what did he do? He threw four interceptions. He overthrew some guys. He looked all sorts of uncomfortable in the pocket and Purdue just went through the same scheme of let's let number two beat us and a lot of teams have done that since Adrian has came here and it's always worked let's wait for them to make a mistake yep that's all teams need to do and that's all Purdue had Purdue nothing fancy take what they give you if they give you an interception take it okay but I will say one of that pick six that was a pretty good play by the defender, though. It was. You know, very athletic. I could never in my life even picture making a play like that. But it's a pattern. It's not like it's a. It's happened a lot well, with the, Adrian. You know what I mean? Like I said, dude, okay, so Kansas City just paid Patrick Mahomes 500 mil down there in Kansas City, right? And all of a sudden, you start realizing, like, oh, shit, you know, like maybe our offense isn't as good when everybody starts to figure it out. Just a couple weeks ago, Patrick Mahomes tossed up a duck for a pick six in yeah. the in the red zone. Adrian Martinez this past weekend throws up this duck shovel pass right in the numbers of a Purdue defender while he's under pressure, and it's like this is year four. Okay, I think this can be you're expanded. running out of you're running out of bounds, taking three yard losses when you could just toss it out. You're yeah. taking safeties. 10 yard safeties when you should just be throwing it out, getting out of the out of the pressure. You're throwing ducks up for interceptions. It's just like I think as as long as Adrian's been here, the question of like his you know his decision making has always been kind of iffy. It's obviously, not iffy. it's the worst in the country. He has more turnovers than any quarterback in college football. Go look it up, guys. There's not any other quarterback in college football that has more turnovers than Adrian Martinez. Fumbles for sure. Just turnovers. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, fumbles count as turnovers. Interceptions count as turnovers. Mm-hmm. The guy is a great athlete. He's a great player, but he is a losing quarterback. He's not a guy that can make throws when it matters. He cannot consistently make good throws because he is not a good quarterback. And he is our best offensive weapon. We'll use the word weapon, but he is not a quarterback. It makes you think, right? We keep saying, four-year starting quarterback, four-year starting quarterback, but we we keep saying it with with the air of, they should be better, right? There should be less mistakes because this, he's been in the system for a long time and he knows the offense and he's got experience. The game should be slowing down, right, for him. This is These are things that we need to assume, right? But like someone said, we know who he is and you're four and yet you don't have anyone else prepared. Supposedly, he's our, our, our best option. To right? win games, but he hasn't to win won games. games. And so people have, and I'm, I said this too. I said that Adrian is our best option. I said that. I did. I think he is. I, I really think he is still our best option, which is sad. But, but, at the, but at the same time, though, people say, if it's not Adrian, then Logan's not good enough. He can't do it. Adrian's our best chance to win, right? But they're just not winning is the thing. So why not try some others for a drive after Adrian's third pick? I agree. Yeah. Well, just try it. And it's, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, 
Frost doesn't want to replace his quarterback because um, back in 96, he got booed and he knew what it felt like to be taken out of a game. There are circumstances regarding that that aren't like fully true that he says, but I mean, he took him out for, for Luke. Yeah. He did it. He replaced yeah. him for a whole game. Yep. And they won that game versus Penn State. So, like, I hear people say that he doesn't want to replace his quarterback and take him out. And it's like, he's done it already. And, yeah, that didn't work out because it's Luke McCaffrey and he transferred to Rice. And still can't even start. Yeah. But you have Logan, who's been in the system. So, if I'm Logan, I'm like, dude, what does it take for me to get on the field, dude? I must be, I must be a shitty practice player. Right. That's the only way. Because, based off what we've seen, it's Logan time. It has right? to be, well, doesn't it? At well, this point, at this point, yeah. And I, to be real honest with you, you can sit there and you can pretend like you're walking into that locker room telling these guys, like, yeah, you're gonna win against Ohio State. Yeah, you're gonna win against Wisconsin. Yeah, you're gonna win against Iowa. Truthfully, I think Adrian Martinez. I think you, you've done your job. Okay, you, we've we've, tri- we've, we've tried. We've tried. It. So now, what do you? You start looking towards the future. Is Adrian Martinez coming back next year? I hope not. Because if if there's any question whatsoever that he's coming back, go ahead and put in your second guy who is going to be the future of Nebraska football and let him get in here during these big games. Let him get the experience these last three games. Get him ready for next year. There's no reason why you should be. This is a recovery mission at this point. Everybody's like, we can still make a bowl. No, Shut we up. cannot. We're not. And if Adrian starts, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We're going to lose. Turnovers. Right? Same old thing. We're not going to see some miraculous... Okay, if we beat Ohio State, you know, people say, if, if we beat Ohio State, this undoes all the frost, blah, blah, blah. No. We're, we'll forgive you. If we beat Ohio State, it's because of something really, really shitty happened to Ohio State, like a plane crash and they lost half their team, and they still decided to play a game. Or Braxton Miller <laughs> breaks his ankle and no. their backup quarterback has to come in. It would like, have to be something... That's the last time we beat them. It, it wouldn't be because of something Nebraska. All right. It wouldn't be because of something Nebraska did. It would it would be because something Ohio State did or didn't do. Or didn't do. It wouldn't be like Nebraska won. The question would the question would be if Nebraska won. Did Ohio State lose or did Nebraska win? Did Ohio right. State lose this game? Yes. Ohio State lost this game. Yeah. That would be the only answer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you look at you look at Purdue, and you you could look at any other game throughout the year outside of like, well, yeah, Illinois too. Nebraska beat themselves. We've said it every single week. They just keep beating themselves. This Saturday, this last Saturday, we got our asses kicked by Purdue. It was not what we were doing to ourselves. It was literally what Purdue was doing to us. Good, well, good coaching. No, it, it was out. He got out coached again. That that happened again, yeah. and and it's happened. For four straight years, Scott Frost gets out coached by the guy across the sideline from him. So let's expand a little bit on the Adrian Martinez talk. Okay. okay. Scott Frost has the balls. And I, I want to go like, we're going big picture and talking about the locker room and the culture and how things are sitting right now. Scott mm. Frost has the balls to pull Marquis Step, to pull Yant, to pull Betts for. Missing a play, making a mistake, whatever. Right. Adrian Martinez has made more mistakes than any player in probably Nebraska football history. I mean, in college football. And he has never been held accountable. Well, except for the one time he pulled him for Luke McCaffrey. Please tell me how you can, your leader can bench you 
But then you can look him in the eye and say, okay, so I, you know, I made one mistake. I, I made a cut the wrong way and, and the play got blown up. And so you pulled me the rest of the game. Yeah. But Adrian can go out there, throw four interceptions, and you can look the media in the eye and look everybody in the eye and say, Adrian's my quarterback moving forward. He gives us the best chance to win. Please, how does that, how do you guys think that sits with, with the team when your head coach isn't consistent on who he's pulling and who he's benching? For smaller reasons, not turning the ball over. I mean, Yan has never turned the ball over. True. It. He ran into an offensive lineman once. And got pulled. Got pulled. For the rest of the game. He got yeah. pulled on Saturday Ooh. after he broke off a giant run and was getting yards. We just stopped playing him. And it's... He keeps saying, oh, we're going to play the hot hand or we're going we're gonna to play the best one who practices the best. Whatever. Right. Tell me why he can be inconsistent at the quarterback position and say, no, Adrian's my guy. But the running back room, the receiver room. Dude, not just that, but Frost during the press conference said it wasn't even a conversation. How is it not even a conversation? Not even a freaking inkling of a conversation. Yeah. How is it not? It's not like he has Peyton Manning or Tom Brady back there. No, he has right. a guy who has been turnover prone his entire career, has never won sub, anything. Sub 500. Yeah, a losing quarterback. And you're telling me that this has not even been a thought. It didn't even cross your mind that I needed to get him out of there, even for a drive. Just give him a break and let him just see the field from the sideline and understand how this game and what, what is happening to you. Yeah. It is just elementary. It is... I don't know if it's because Scott Frost has a big ego or what it is, but he has strapped himself. It's just like a, a pirate. He's going to go down with the ship. His ship is Adrian Martinez, and Scott Frost is going to lose his job because he has strapped his ship to Adrian Martinez for way too long. Have you ever played Oregon Trail before? No. It's, it's that game where you know you travel, travel <laughs> yeah. to a covered wagon, right? Yeah. They died of dysentery. He died of dysentery. Yeah, because that—that's, I mean, that's the analogy. I'm sorry, I don't mean to compare Adrian Martinez to a a death-causing disease. Okay, I mean that's really bad. But yeah, during also during the press conference, Scott said, "I'm having my captains talk to my team." Right? He didn't want to talk to him. So Adrian Martinez is one of your captains. He throws technically four interceptions. If he's standing in front of the team saying what I don't know what he's saying, I don't know. I'm a player and going, dude, you threw four interceptions. What are you talking to me for, dude? Right. I get what Scott was trying to do with that on paper, sure. But at the same time, it looks really bad that the head coach like can't even like look you in the face after yet another loss. <laughs> Hearing Frost say, I didn't talk to him. I left it up to other captains. To me, that's him saying, I'm done with all of you. At, I mean, look, the players pay attention to all this stuff. Not maybe our podcast, but... Twitter's out there and all that stuff, right? The the talk, this was the lowest moment, I think, of Frost's tenure, yep. which is saying a lot. We've seen a lot yeah, of... Yeah, we've seen a lot of shit. A lot, a lot of, of valleys, not a whole lot of peaks, right? And this was probably the lowest moment, and you couldn't address your team during the lowest moment. And it's like, what does that tell your team? That tells your team that, yeah, time's up. And we talked about this last week. We said... It seems like teams give up when they see the writing on the wall and they see that their coach is gone. You don't want to address your team after this loss, this particular loss. 
I think it tells your team, yeah, uh, I see what's happening here. I think I'm done. My goose is my goose has been cooked, and I, I I'm not going to talk to you guys. I'm just going to have Austin Allen or Adrian say a word because I'm not getting through to you. Obviously, I haven't for four years. This wasn't even a loss. We're like, oh man, if two plays happen, we he went no. Uh, despite the score, you got your ass handed to you in all three phases. Yeah. Yep. Well, and let's not even talk about the press conference after the game. Heat of the moment, all that stuff. We're talking Monday. We're talking today. Yeah. Scott Frost goes there, and he, he slips a little bit. He's like, I think I should get another chance get next one, year. Get, get more. Yeah. Like, get one more. So, or something. even he's feeling it. And he's like, you know, it's tough not to. It's tough to ignore. It's tough to ignore the what's going on, what's being said. But I owe it to my team to, to give them complete focus. Yeah. I mean, we said it last week that we were concerned that the yeah the writing was on the wall. The team was probably going to give up. And then you come out and you watch a sad effort. I mean, by your defense. We've had praise for the defense all year long. We've, we've had their back, everything like that. But yeah. that was just unmotivated football in every phase of the game. And it showed we got our asses kicked. It was it, it, th- we lost by one score, but it was not a one score loss. Nope, it's misleading. Nope, misleading. You guys, let's drown out the anti Nebraska football talk. I guess it's anti with some beer. That's a good idea. Oh man, I'm drowning that sucker in this pumpkin wheat that is exclusively available at the tap room. At 108th and Harrison and La Vista, Nebraska, this pumpkin wheat is delicious. Mike, what are you sipping on? I am sipping on a seltzer. So I moved off the basic bitch pumpkin wheat that Jared's drinking today, and I switched to this thing called Tiger's Blood. It is a very good seltzer, and you can only get it here in the tap room. So if you ever want to try Nebraska Brewing Company seltzers, they are excellent. Uh, They are in the seltzer game, and they mean business. And we got KB, we got Kyle over here drinking an Ale Storm. Now, this is not a taproom exclusive, but how's that tasting over there? Hey, it's excellent. And I think I'm starting to like spread my wings a little bit on the uh, on the craft beer side of this podcast. Because <laughs> like, I remember starting off just getting me like a pumpkin beer, and I'm like, you know, this is good. And then I, I, was, I was really stuck on Taco Vesa. That, that's my shit. Oh, yeah. But then the keg ran out, so he's like, oh, we'll try this. <laughs> and now here I am loving this ale storm. So you can't go wrong. Just come in here, talk to the guys, and ask them what their favorite beer is or yeah. ask for recommendations. They've they've treated me right, considering I'm not a craft beer guy. He keeps yeah. he keeps saying it, but the ponytail is almost to his butt now. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you brew your own beer yet? Or? Yeah, yeah, and I've got I've got like a French press at home for my coffee okay. in the oh, morning. Wow. <laughs> French press, yeah. Okay, hold that pinky up while you're drinking that hailstorm. Yeah, you better you better show off. And, hey, you go to High V, you go to like any liquor. any local liquor store, you're gonna see that hailstorm. It's got that Storm Chasers logo on it. They brew it exclusively for the Omaha Storm Chasers. They sell them at games and stuff. Heck yeah. So go get yourself an ale storm. Come to the tap room, get you a pumpkin wheat or a tiger's blood seltzer. 108th and Harrison and La Vista. And like they say at Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. Well, and last week, we had dropped some merch. So I just wanted to re-up that opportunity for you guys. 
We had some of our listeners go buy some merch, and we appreciate all of you who have done that. Uh, the merch is available on our website, nbnrpodcast.com. We have some really cool stuff. We have that KB, Kenny Bell, striking Wisconsin player. Get that before the Wisconsin game, guys. Oh, yeah, that'd be so much fitting, right? It would yeah, be great cool. for the Wisconsin w- game. Wear it in Madison and get eggs thrown at you, I guess. Hey, we're going to be there. We might as <laughs> yeah, well get ourselves yeah, no. some, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, know what they're, you know what they'd say. Oh, what, what was the uh, what was the final score? Eighty to zero, one hundred and ninety to four, or something <laughs> like that. Seven. Okay, if we're being technical, guys, well, we'll actually seventy to thirty-one, I believe. I don't know. Not great. Anyway, it was bad. Yeah. Okay, but but still, it, it still encapsulates what we stand for. No block, no rock. Kenny Bell laying the block. He got the rock a lot. Yep. With his blue undershirt, and I bet he never had to sit on the sideline. Because the coach wanted him on the field. Anyways, let's let's uh, with that. Let's get merch. Anyway, yeah, go get some merch. Let's move on to Ohio State, the Fighting Buckeye. The the Fighting Little T's. Uh, yeah. Um. What is the line as of Monday, the first of November? Fifteen and a half. Fifteen and a half. Yep. Yeah. I I honestly think we'll be lucky to cover. Lucky to cover. Yeah, I to agree. even get close to covering, I agree. Um, you know, Ohio State plays Minnesota their first game on the road. C.J. Stroud doesn't have the worst game, but doesn't look too hot. This year has gone on, and he looks pretty freaking good. This whole team looks good. Jared, I said you, they went on a roll. What would you call that? What quarterback development? Ah, oh, damn. You know, it's nice to see it out of a. A freshman quarterback seeing development over the course of a season, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. But we're in year four, and but anyway, <laughs> C.J. Stroud will come into more Memorial Stadium, which will it, it'll probably start off full because Nebraska fans are suckers oh, what, and true oh, fans, mind you, and true fans. Oh well, let's start off full though. I think fans are about at the end of their rope here. It'll start off full. They filled the stadium for Mr. Rogers. They're going to fill the stadium for Scott Frost until he is no longer the head coach. Ask that question at 1230 because the game starts at 11. Ask that question at 1230. Is it still going to be full? I venture to say, you know what? I think it'll be a little more full than you think, but I don't think the game will be close. I just don't see it. We were concerned about the buy-in and the motivation for the players to come out against Purdue and win. After losing to Purdue, what do you think the motivation? Bowl game! Bowl game! I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. We need to get to a bowl game, but we need to beat three high, three teams that he has not ever beaten before. Yeah. That are better than you. That are better than you. What's the third strike? Oh, man. I mean, that's two right there. I mean, two is enough. Uh, look, I, I felt like we had enough Ooh, saying three. that we weren't going to win against Purdue. If you really think that we have a chance of going to a bowl game at this point, I beg you, we've always said that no block, no rock is the realistic Nebraska football fan. I beg you to really look at what you've seen throughout the year and tell me why you feel we're going to win the next three games. Jared, uh, the, the, the third strike is that those three actually are fielding a team on Saturday. Sorry. Hey, that's a good that's a good job. They're they're gonna have players suiting up and putting on helmets and playing the game of football, and so are we. Well, Too bad. Well, those other teams will be playing it. I don't know what we're gonna be doing, but 
You know, okay, anyway, so how about this weather we're Let's pump well, some sugar in here. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's not pumping sugar in here, but to go back to what you guys are saying, is the stadium going to be full at 1230? Nebraska has shown up against these good teams, so I expect it to be – I think they'll, they'll hang around, especially in the first half. Look, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but Ohio State's coming to town. Okay, they're a top-five team, potential playoff team. Uh, fans are going to go see them. Yeah. It's Ohio State. You got to. But go on. Sorry, Mike. Go yeah, on. Yeah, I just I think Nebraska will hang around. They'll hang around like they did against Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan. But I will say, Ohio State is better than all those teams that we played. Absolutely. So do I think they'll hang around, and then Ohio State will put their foot on our throats and finish it off. So back to a lot of our listeners that interact with, with us on Twitter after the game, the people who think Scott Frost should keep his job. Let me ask you guys. If Scott Frost can scrounge out a win against Ohio State, against finally get that signature win in year four, does it cool his seat off at all? I already said what I think. I think if Ohio, if Ohio State ends up losing this game, it's not because of anything Nebraska did. I think it's something went terribly wrong on the Buckeyes' end. And it's like it would be more of a fluke than anything. I think it would inspire false hope in the fans. It's like people – Think they're looking ahead to next year and saying, "We have an easy schedule next year, though. We need to bring him back." Okay, but if he goes six and six next year, in year five, mind you, he goes six and six with possibly that, a five-year starter quarterback. Oh my god! You bring him back with this quote-unquote easy schedule because God knows Nebraska loves those winnable games, right? They show up every game and win those. Not, but. No, I mean you technically have an easy schedule next year on paper. If he go, if he gets 500 or a little better, I think that's the worst thing that can happen to this program. That's the absolute worst thing. People will look at that and say that's progress in year five with the worst schedule that he's the easiest schedule he's ever had. And then the next year, you're back to three, four wins. You you would inspire false hope in fans if you brought him back for with an easy schedule. Yeah, yeah. If if that's all you're looking at is we've got an easier schedule, so you have to bring it back. My biggest thing is just looking at this is the year. Okay, this is the, this is the year for a lot of coaches after the COVID season. You got all these returning starters and things like that. And I've mentioned it in the past. You have to be concerned when you have all these returning starters on defense. You've got returning dudes on offense, not as many, but. You have to be concerned when this is supposed to be, regardless of who you're playing, this should be the team that you don't run into these silly little issues like the turnovers, the fumbles, the self-inflicted gunshot wounds, the penalties, stuff like that. This is the year that you shouldn't have those issues because you've got guys that have been there for four or five years. So what leads you to believe that after all those people leave that it's going to get better? I just don't see it. With... The worst recruiting class in the Big Ten. I don't. I don't want to hear. Oh, but they're only taking like nine guys. No. If you're taking only nine guys, you need to be ultra selective with your nine guys that you're taking, and you can't be last in the Big Ten. Come on, dude. But back to my question. Look, look at that wall. You see that wall right there? I see some writing on it. Yeah. Well, Just back seeing- to my question, Eric. If Nebraska can beat Ohio State, does that cool down Scott Frost's seat? 
if he builds on it and he wins a fifth, yeah, I don't think I think that's the only way he comes back. If he comes back with a five and seven team, he's going to be forced to make staff changes because we've seen he ain't gonna do it himself. Anything less than f- and five and seven, and he, he is gone. And I truly b- I believe that. The buyout aside, look at at this point, it's like Jer- Jared said, keeping him. Given oh, we know oh, what he is, is going to do more harm. Because if you keep him, look, they're having to scrounge to sell tickets now. If you keep him, I think those tickets are st- are going to just go unsold. And fan apathy will sit in and you cost yourself even more than you would by paying him however m- much the buyout will be re- yeah. negotiated to. Because let's face it, he's not going to be canned on the spot. Or they're going to work something out because of who he is and who Trevor Alberts is. Well, I think Scott Frost, given his track record of being a hard-headed, stubborn dude, he's not taking a penny less than his buyout, which is $20 million. And you know, he shouldn't. You know what? Go make your money, dude. But if you have any self-respect, you would look at what is happening to your beloved program, mind you, the program that you just love with all your heart. You love these fans. If you, (laughs) yeah, that's what he said. He appreciates the fans and all that. If you can't, okay, take take a deep breath, take a step back, and go. All right, uh, this is not going anywhere. You said, "Get us," because by year two. We're gonna we're gonna be after. Yeah. That's yeah. what you said, dude. Yeah. And we are praying for a four win season in year five. We're praying for it. And if we win four games, you'll have fans clamoring for you to come back because they're scared to make any changes. You're gonna have frost warning shirts going to Tanzania. Just like the those Super Bowl shirts. Yeah. For for the team that loses. Going to freaking Ethiopia. That's, that's the only place you'll see frost warning shirts anymore, dude, is Ethiopia, man. <laughs> the only way. And it's like if you have to tell a coach to make changes on your staff after a three or four win season, you're not worth keeping anyway. After four years of that, Bruh. mind you. Bruh. Anyway, um, yeah, absolutely right. But it would have to be a Jim Harbaugh. Look at my – Trev and Scott got to meet and go, Scott – you're not doing what you said you're going to do. And we need to look at your contract and we need to renegotiate, renegotiate your contract. We need to lower that buyout because, dude, you're, you're forcing my hand here. I don't want to fire you. You are the dream guy. You are the guy everyone wanted, but you are not delivering. I have to tell you to make changes. If you were a coach worth your salt, I love that saying. If you were a coach worth, worth your salt, you wouldn't need me to tell you to make changes. We need to re- renegotiate your buyout. We need to knock that down a few mil, <laughs> like yeah. a few 10 mils. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the only way he could ever come back. And this, and at the same time, I brought up the point last week. When has a quote-unquote blue blood program ever been concerned with buyout money? Never. And we're, Never. And we're not. And what self-respecting program besides like Duke the Duke Blue Devils, would keep a coach after four years of sub-500 football. People say, what What coach would want to come here? You change your coaches every four years. What self-respecting program, and you claim you're a blue blood, would keep a coach for four years straight of sub-500 football? None. 
None. If you are a program that keeps your coach for four years of sub-500 football, you don't care about football. Yep. You are it, Kansas. You're Kansas. You don't. You like basketball. And guess what? Trev Alberts cares about football. Yeah. A lot. A lot. If you go back and look, like, in all of college football history, uh, the guys who, who who kept their job after after four lo- losing seasons. I think it's Duke, right? One of them? Cutcliffe is one. Okay. And Shiano's two, and I can't find a third one. And that's Rutgers. Yeah. I don't think those two are really high on the football totem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the Blue Blood program, so, yeah, that's no. for sure. So Duke and Rutgers kept those guys, right? Name anything they've ever won. You know, and I think Shiano's a good coach, but name something that Cutcliffe and Shiano have done of substance since then. Even after they've been kept by their, their beloved team, what have they won? The, the answer is nothing. Is Frost different? No. Maybe he, maybe he is. You know what? I'm sorry. Maybe he is. Maybe he's different. Maybe he's the, he's the unicorn. Greg is a good guy for, for Rutgers because he can have success at smaller programs. He ain't good enough for, you know, right. anything like that. Because but. it's freaking Rutgers. Right. Which Their standards are obviously lower than ours, right? I don't know. I feel like fans are lowering expectations now. I, I say, to hell with it. Bring back the triple option because fans don't care about winning anymore, right? The triple option doesn't work. It's, it's an ancient style of football that's only written on caves, right? It's ancient. It doesn't work. Fans don't care about winning anymore. Do, don't, they want to keep a coach that wins four games a year. So why not bring the triple option back? Why Possibly not? Possibly three. The oh, next, yeah. The next coach that comes in here, dude, just please, please make a bowl game. Yeah. Please, Mesa, so may I have another? Yeah. But That's all we want. Yes, expectations are lowered right now, but we know this fan base, and this fan base deserves more than just a bowl game every year. Yeah. So what's going to happen is, yes, your first goal, it's a stepping stone thing. Your first goal, make a bowl game which Scott Ross hasn't done. Your next goal after that. Okay, now that you won a bowl game, now you need to compete for the West. I mean, it, it's huh. it's all going to... It's a ripple effect. It's stepping stone. It is stepping to Yeah, so you can say, yes, we've lowered our expectations, and we have, but we have to right now because we, ha- we are going to have six losing seasons out of the last seven years. So, yes, you need to start small and make a freaking bowl game. And guess what? During that time that we've had six out of the last seven years have been losing seasons, we are still filling the stadium. So, do you think these fans deserve more? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And before we wrap up today, I have one more thing for all the fans out there who think Scott Frost should stay. And I know there's plenty of them out there, and we appreciate you if you are pro Scott or against Scott. We think we appreciate you listening. For all those fans that are saying to keep Scott Frost. How many of you guys are Nebraska boosters? How many of you guys donate your hard-earned money to this university year in and year out? I'm not saying going to Husker Hounds and buying a teacher. I'm talking spending thousands of dollars, going to all the games, going and seeing other athletes or other sports. Like, Tell me how many of you guys that are on Twitter that are tweeting at us saying, Scott Frost needs another year. They've been close losses. It's showing growth if you're but you're still losing the games. Tell me how many of you guys that are saying that to us are actual boosters. Please. It's an open-ended question. Yeah. I would love for you guys to tweet at us. Please tell me if you're a booster, how long you've been a booster, how much you donate to the university. Because I would love to know how many of you people donate your hard-earned money 
to this university to see what we have been seeing on the field. What scares me about like that kind of issue, um, Ted Carter, you know, I, I, I like to listen to the radio broadcast, right? I like to hear Matt Davison go, yes. And like, and like, you know, Greg Sharp, <laughs> yeah. you know, do his big Mac sack thing and all that. Right. Ted Carter goes on there and dude, you would not think that this program is as low as it is. Like he, fans, we're gonna turn it around. Fans, it's gonna happen. You just gotta be, you just gotta be patient. And Ted, Ted Carter's up there, man. He's obviously he's the president of the Nebraska system, and it's like you could ask, what, what else is he supposed to say? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like with with Scott Frost, it's different. You have boosters that have been boosters for a long time. They were boosters when Scott Frost was, you know, diving over the end zone to win against Tennessee and crush Peyton Manning like they, they've been there and it's like I've, I'm afraid that they have the the blinders on that's my fear I disagree though I think there's a breaking point and I think after Saturday those boosters including myself who I have been and Kyle sitting next to me we have both been very very and I mean all of us honestly all four of us have been very pro Scott Frost it's gonna get done he, he's gonna figure it out we are in his you know in his corner the you know through thick, thick and thin you know but no, I, it's not going to turn with him. And you keeping him is is only being selfish to this program and to the student-athletes at Nebraska because they are not being prepared enough to win games. Yeah. At the end of the day, what everyone needs to understand is that this is a business. Mike is talking about boosters and things like that. Folks are investing in this successful outcome of this program. And after four years of them investing, it'd be just like you investing in a business. If you put your money on a stock and it continually lets you down, lets you down, lets you down, lets you down, at what point do you pull out of that stock and say, enough is enough. I'm going to stop losing my money. Yeah, Nebraska is a bear market. They are, your return of investment is less than zilch. I mean, dude, Nebraska is a laughing stock, man. They're a laughing stock. Off season, uh, during the season, literally everything, we end up being the laughing stock of the media. And the person in front of all of those headlines is usually Scott Frost. With, with a big shot in his mouth, right? With his head down, uh, you know, body language just to shit. I would love, I, I would love. Sorry, like. I'm telling you, and, and there's, there's nobody around this table right now talking into this microphone that wouldn't love for Scott Frost for this story to be different. We would have loved to be sitting here. We told you guys we were optimistic for this year. We brought size. We brought all these talent players. More weapons. Players. Yeah. We brought, we brought weapons. There's nobody around this table that would wish better things for Scott Frost. It just hasn't happened yet. And we can't sit here and, Everybody always wants to say like, oh, about the future, the future. It's like, but we've looked at, we keep saying that. Year one, we said, oh, the future will be great. Year two, we said, oh, the future will be great. Year three, the future will be great. Guess what? We're in year four and we're all still sitting around this table going, guess what? We just lost to Purdue. We're three and six. At one point, can you live in the present? Because we keep planning for the future, but games are happening in the present and they're not good. And... That money is being spent by fans all around Nebraska. Right. At what point can you just say it didn't work? It's time to give someone else the keys. And it sucks because Scott Frost was the best coach available. 
And Bill Moose, you could say whatever you want about him. He did two things. He hired Scott Frost and he hired Fred Hoiberg. Right. The two hottest coaches in the market, and he went and brought them to Nebraska. So for all you guys out there that said, oh, well, who could we get? Nebraska has more money. They were going to have the best facilities in the country coming up here in the next year or so. The NIL is unbelievable. In the fan base, you guys know how you are. You are second to none. You keep filling that stadium every week, even though the product on the field has not been up to par. So to answer your question of who, who could we get, the checkbooks are open. Anybody is a possibility. Not just. <laughs> also, and it isn't like it's a high bar to clear coming in here. Like it isn't like you're replacing a guy that won nine games a year. You're replacing literally one of the worst Nebraska coaches of all time. Like and coaches in the profession. Like I understand. Like four years is pull. It's plenty of time. If you can't, then you probably won't. Like they don't think that four is too short of a time. Like, no. It's, yeah, it's four whole recruiting classes. It's it's all a whole team. Like it's well, and the best part is just to piggyback on that is the next coach that comes in here, it, if they can retain the talent on this team, there is so much talent on this team, and they've proved it. Like they have been competitive with really good teams. So, whatever coach does come in here, if it if it is Scott or whoever it is, right? One, we will support the team until it's somebody else, but it's. Yeah. It's the, they're going to have good weapons. It's going to be, if there's another voice in there that can utilize the weapons the way that good coaches do, this team could turn around really quick. Look at Michigan State. Look at Mel Tucker. If you, <laughs> if you say that Mel Tucker came into a situation at Michigan State where their coach is getting in trouble, the university is in trouble for all kinds of messes. Their, tra their trainers diddling freaking kids. Yeah. Like, like that, come on, man. And you're telling me that that situation is harder than the situation that a coach would come into Nebraska? Get out of here. Get out of here with your that defeatist attitude, man. Yeah. Like, Scott Frost is literally a coach. We he, he's Bill like Jennings. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're replacing Bill Jennings. And, you know, Mike, he's kind of our facilitator. He says we have to wrap up. So, yeah, when we post this on Twitter, please, if you are, if you are a booster, tell us. Like, do you do you like Scott Frost? Do you want him to stick around? Do you want? I know this is a loaded question. Do you want us to continue to be the laughing stock of college football? My final thought for today's episode is on the note, Mike, of retaining talent. You just mentioned it. I'm not so sure that Scott Frost, even if he does come back, retains half the talent that he's got on this football team. The way that he's misused. Oh, baby. You. I mean, a lot of them are it, leaving. It literally. It literally looks like it's like a. It's like a child softball football team where who the parents are upset because their daughter isn't playing enough. Yeah. So Brody, Brody Belt's not in enough. You literally just rotate everybody on a on a play-by-play -play basis. You just rotate the entire team through so that everybody's happy. I don't know you retain right. half the talent you've got, so at some right. point you just have to be like, well, who knows? If we get rid of Scott Frost, you're going to lose that talent. If you keep him, you're going to lose that talent. So it's like, whatever. Yep, good point. Rip the band-aid hey, off. And depending on the coach that you get, They'll probably have players that like that coach. If you get a Power Five coach, they're going to have players that like them and want to um, follow them. And uh, I think it'll offset itself. And uh, I don't think that the problem with Nebraska, it's not been the three, four years heading out with with all the coaches firing. It's not the firing it's, that's the problem. It's the hiring that's the problem, right? So just hire, hire the next guy. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Scott Frost didn't.
on that note, guys, let's let's get out of here. Yes, Bef- please. Before, before this is a funeral, go to go to Twitter. We're on Twitter. Follow us, please. While we continue to watch Nebraska in a surrender Cobra stance, we got merch and be on our podcast.com. Buy some shirts. Support us, please. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, we're on there. Give us a listen. Give us a download, a five-star review. Go to Nebraska Brewing Company. Their tap room is 108th and Harrison. Live us in Nebraska. Guys, let's sign out. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Eric Morrow. And Kyle Byers. And as always, beat Ohio State. Please. And GBR. GBR.